Well, welcome everyone to Church Unlimited this morning. So good to have you with us as we come to the Word of God. Can we just pray before we start? Father, we just thank you for your presence here in this place. And Holy Spirit, we're so totally dependent on you. Without you, we can do nothing. Nothing changes, nothing really happens. Lord, unless you come, unless you touch our hearts, touch our minds, our spirits, and Lord, speak to us and challenge us as only you can. Father, we pray, give us minds to concentrate. Help us to put aside every other thought from the week, Father, every distraction that, Lord, the enemy would throw in our way to hinder us from hearing what you want to say. And, Lord, speak to us, we pray, by your Spirit, in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Well, a six-year-old boy restlessly struggled through a lengthy sermon. And at the end of the service, he asked his dad, as most young kids do somewhere along the line, what does the preacher do the rest of the week? <laughs> the son said, well, he's actually a very, very busy man. He's got the burden of the world upon his shoulders, uh, the needs of the people, the, the uh, you know, desire to get the gospel around the world. Uh, he's got to run a church. He said, and on and on he went. Obviously, he was a ex-preacher himself, probably. And he said, look, it's a, it's a, there's many demands in running a church. Plus, he has to do regular study of the Bible, and also he's got something to share with the people. Uh, you know, preaching is not an easy job. And the boy thought about it for a moment, and then he said, well, listening isn't that easy either. <laughs> and the truth is, listening's not always easy, uh, especially... Uh, when the message is challenging, or when you've got other things on your mind. It's not easy to tune in to hear what God wants to say. And a challenging message like today, which is about making Christ known. Making Christ known, or the great commission that Jesus left the church. Well, this morning we want to welcome in to our service today, Church Unlimited in Kaitaia, Whangarei, and Rotorua. Just want you to know, Rotorua, Kaitai, Whangarei, they never cheer me like that when I start, but hey, you guys are real special, they really love you, and we do love you, and appreciate all that you're doing in your regions, and helping us to reach New Zealand and beyond. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 10, then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him, to hear him, to hear Jesus, that is, and the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, the man receives sinners and eats with them. It's an interesting passage just there. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and ask her husband to find it? Oh, no, that's not there. And search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors saying, together saying, rejoice with me for I found the peace which I lost. 
Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. In both parables, something of value is lost. The sheep, coin, have monetary value. Just the other day, a couple of days ago, I was down the petrol station, and I got myself some petrol. And as I went in to pay for the petrol, I noticed a couple of notes on the ground. I picked them up, and I thought, oh, these look quite cool. They're two $50 notes. So what do you do when you find two $50 notes? Well, you quickly put it in your pocket, make sure no one's watching, and (laughs) off you go. So I went up to the man at the counter and I said, uh, hey, look, I found this uh, $100. At which point this lady cries out and says, oh, it's mine. And I thought, that's a likely story. (laughs) So I went up to her and I said, look, let's cut a deal here. What about 50-50? Now, actually, I said, look, I believe you, and I reluctantly gave her the $100. When you lose something of value, what do you do? I lost my car keys a while ago. How many of you lose car keys, by the way? It's a pretty regular event, isn't it? They're usually where you last left them. It's a clue, all right? It's a clue. So I search everywhere, high and low, upstairs, downstairs, in the car, back, and then go repeat it four or five times. I actually reckon... This is a sidetrack here. I actually reckon sometimes you find it where you had already looked and it wasn't there before. Anyone, anyone with me on that? I reckon there's some angels at work. And some of you need more angels than others for losing the things that you lose. So anyway, I'd lost these keys, so I searched high and low, and finally I found them in the sofa, you know, between all the crevices and gaps you have in sofas and my beautiful granddaughter had been playing with the keys and put them there somewhere. Here's the point. If we put that much effort into searching for lost things, how much effort should we put into finding lost people? Lost people meaning those who are not Christians. See, never forget every unsafe person. I want you to think of the unsafe people you, you know, your family, your friends, that person in the office, fellow students, neighbors in your street, anyone else that you can think of, whoever comes to your mind right now, never forget that they are totally lost. Regardless of how happy they look, how wealthy they may may be, the car they drive, the house they live in, even how contented they may say they are. They are lost. Totally, completely, utterly lost. And according to the Bible, walking in total darkness. And unless they are found, I'm telling you, their darkness is going to go to a level that is incomprehensible. Blackest darkness, the Bible calls it forever and ever. Lost people. Lost people matter to God. They don't even know they're lost. And you know, the next parable here about the parable of the lost son tells us that these two parables of the sheep and the coin is talking about 
finding lost people, people who don't know Jesus. You see, Jesus is all about finding these people. Matthew 1, 21, think about this. She'll bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Do you know what Jesus actually means? You know what it means? It means saviour. I think we forget that. It means saviour. This whole thing is about finding lost people, saving people. And we've got to keep the main thing, the main thing, and never forget, never lose sight of that. See, the heart of the Father is what? It's mission. John 3.16. For God so loved the world... He gave his son. Why? You know, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the passion, that's the heart of the Father. The passion of Christ. So go, Father, let's go to the passion of Christ. Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came, why did he come? To seek and save what was lost. You might say, well, that's the Father and the Son, but I'm actually a Holy Spirit person. Well, why did the Holy Spirit come? Acts 1.8. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall receive power to be witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. So here we've got the, the heartbeat of the Father, the heartbeat of the Son, and the heartbeat of the Holy Spirit. All of those three are with us and in us. And so their heart, really, primary heart that they have should, I believe, also be ours. You know, from time to time, we need a renewal of our concern for lost people. How many of you find that you easily just forget about after all? You know, just, it just kind of, you're caught up in everything else. We need a reminder, and of course, as a church of Lima, we do this reminding quite often, but um, let's do it again today. Let the Holy Spirit do a work in your heart during the course of this service up in Kaitai, Whangarei, Rotorua, wherever you are. Just allow the Spirit of God because I can preach it as much as I like, but it takes God to touch your life and to give you a real concern in this area. Not, not a condemnation, but just the heart of God being manifest in your life. Luke 15, 1, which we just read. Let's read it again. See, tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. This is unbelievable. These lost people, these sinners, were not running from Jesus. They were running to him. They were not avoiding him. Now, you and I know, unbelievers, your friends and very, are not asking you, oh, can we go to church and hear the speaker, please? Can, can, is there a preacher around that I can draw near to and listen to? How many of you know that? No, they're not interested. They don't want to know. So why? Why are they running? To, how come they're gathering around Jesus? <laughs> the, the ultimate preacher of righteousness. Well, it wasn't because he had an easy message. He didn't hear it. He was straight down the line. He never compromised his message. And it wasn't because he became like one of them. Hey, be like me because I'm like you. No, he, no, he lived an absolutely holy life. 
So it wasn't his easy message. It wasn't his compromising lifestyle. At this stage, it wasn't even for his miracles. So why were sinners and tax collectors drawing near? Jesus, we want to hear what you've got to say. I don't fully know the answers to that, but I want to give you some suggestions. I believe the answer is his compassion and his love. See, Jesus loved them. I mean, he really loved them. I mean, he loved them so much, he was about to go to the cross to die for them. That's how much he loved them. He'd, he'd spill his blood for them. He'd do anything for them. He'd sacrifice everything he had just for them. That's how much he loved them. No wonder they wanted to listen to him. If you ever find someone who loves you that much, I don't think you'll care what they believe. You're going to want to listen to them. So he had this compassion. He had this great love for them. He didn't have a condemning attitude. Hello? Hello? He wasn't judging them. He wasn't saying, you dirty, rotten, sinful, whatever, you're going to end up and burn in the fire of hell unless you change. Now, of course, we don't say that, but we think it. Well, I do. <clears throat> Jesus was different. When it says there, this man receives sinners and eats with them, one Greek thought is that he receives them as a friend. He was a friend of sinners. Isn't it? This is challenging, isn't it? It's encouraging, but it's challenging. <clears throat> he was accepting of them accepting of them despite their faults, despite their sins. Why could he be accepting of them? Because he knew they were lost. They didn't know any better. They didn't know that they shouldn't live this kind of lifestyle. They're in darkness. And Jesus understood that, so he could accept them despite their lifestyle, despite their faults. To make Christ known, the first thing we need is compassion, and acceptance of people. A police officer related this story and said at a scene of a serious accident, there's always three groups. If you've ever been at one, you probably realize that. So the first group is the bystanders, who are the rubberneckers, <laughs> who just watch and pretty much do nothing. Then there's a second group, this is the police officers, and they investigate the cause of the accident, they assign blame, they judge, they give out tickets. We love the police officers, don't we? And then there's a third group, and the third group are what you could call the paramedics. Now they don't care whose fault it is, they don't give a lecture on poor driving, they just help those who are hurt, they bandage the wounds, they show love and kindness. So I want to suggest that when it comes to reaching lost people, we're going to be one of those three groups. Which one am I in? Which one are you in? One, we're just not involved. We're just kind of watching everyone else do what they can to win the world. It's not my zone. I'm a, I'll watch, but I'm not going to do much. Then there's the second group that basically the, judge the people for their errors, their mistakes, their foolish behavior, what they did wrong. Or 
we can focus on helping those who are lost. So I want to suggest that you and I be like the paramedics. Bandage up the wounds. Heal the broken hearts. See, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were very much like the police officers. They condemned and they criticized sinners. They didn't show any compassion. Just think about this for a moment. I, I think it's, we can rightfully be upset about current moral values, the way the world is deteriorating, the wickedness that's out there, abortion, homosexual issues, the availability of porn. I think we can rightly be concerned, upset, righteous indignation, if you like. But we've got to be careful that our concern does not turn into condemnation towards the lost people. Because lost people have never flocked to hear someone who's going to condemn them. And they'll never listen to us if we have that kind of attitude. Judging and condemnation has to go out the window. Despite our concern and our indignation at what is wrong, we can hate the sin, but that so easily becomes hating the sinner. And we think it doesn't, but the, the, the line is so thin, and the sinner will discern it in us in a moment. In a moment. This is all about love, isn't it? Love and acceptance, kindness, not judging. In both parables, a person continued to seek for the lost item until it was found. Read the lost sheep, lost coin, and persistence was needed in order to be successful in making the find. You know, it's not easy to reach people for Jesus. It really isn't. There's a lot of obstacles, a lot of discouragements come along the way, and you may be facing that today. It can take years and years of persistence. I want to encourage you, just keep persisting. Don't stop, don't quit, don't give up. It's one of the requirements of reaching lost people. If a, if a sheep or a coin was valuable enough to persistently search for, how much more is it worth persisting to find lost people? I want you to think of the most valuable thing you've ever lost to pay me apart from a person. And what lengths did you go to to find it? Sometimes extraordinary lengths. Sometimes you might travel half the country to go back and try and find something that you may have lost somewhere. Because it's of value. Maybe it's a... <clears throat> Maybe it was a ring you lost that's worth, I don't know, hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. And you'd probably lose sleep over it. What about lost people? How much more valuable? In fact, the Bible says, doesn't it, that all the wealth in the world, trillions and trillions of dollars, is not enough to, uh, an individual lost person is worth more than that. And all the wealth in the world. You're talking about high-value commodity here, friends. The highest value. So we've got to love them and accept them. But we've got to persist in chasing after them or going after them. 
Go the extra mile. Keep seeking after the salvation of your family and your friends. Never let it go. Never let it go. The day after a great performance, celebrated cellist Yo-Yo Ma called for a cab to take him to a hotel. So he placed his, channel, his cello in the boot. It was handcrafted in Vienna in 1773, valued at $2.5 million. That's a, that's a valuable cello, isn't it? Imagine he played it to that value too. When he reached his destination, he got out, but he forgot the cello in the boot. He was absolutely shattered. Fortunately, he had the driver's ID number. Somehow he'd got that. So after searching all day, they finally located the cello and was still in the boot of this taxi. You couldn't wipe the smile off Ma's face. He persisted in searching for this cello, which was lost because of the value it had. It was so valuable to him. Not only the price of it, but I think he probably the way he played it as well. So he wouldn't give up until he found it. And lost people are just too valuable to ever give up on. That family member is too valuable to ever give up on. That relative is too valuable to ever give up on. Persistence. Go love them first, accept them, not condemn them. Don't let an ounce of condemnation be in your spirit because they will pick it up. And then persist. Persist in finding that lost person. Luke 15, 3 to 5. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. You often read in the papers, and you read it a lot, don't you, of people who are lost. Lost in the bush. Lost at sea. Disappeared off the planet, like just gone. And when this person is lost, have you ever watched? I've always watched with amazement. It's almost like the, the re rescue machinery of the nation goes into overdrive. And there's stacks of people, you know, coming out for the search, family and friends, and anyone who knew the person, maybe sometimes by the hundreds, that they'll gather together, and then there'll be, you know, police will be involved, and, and rescue teams, and, you know... Um, those who are skilled at rescue, then you know you have helicopters involved. So, I mean, it's the, the effort is just astronomical, isn't it? Yeah. To find this person who's at lost, it, it takes a huge, huge effort. To find this lost sheep took effort. He had to leave 99 in the wilderness and go in church of the one. To find the lost coins, he had to sweep the whole house clean, something I do most weeks. It was a joke, all right. Not very funny, but there you go. It, so to do this, you know, to find this lost person, lost sheep, lost coin, guess what? It took effort. Persistence is one thing. Effort's another thing. Yeah. Effort, energy, time, <laughs> sacrifice. 
It, it's effort. It takes effort to find lost people. If you're struggling to put in the effort to find someone lost, if I'm struggling, think of those rescue teams out there, you know, by the hundreds of tens or twenties of people and searching for this lost person. They, they put it, and sometimes they'll go into the night, won't they? You know, they'll even risk their lives, you know, to find this lost person. Why? Because that person's so valuable. They've got that right. They're actually right there. But there's a rescue more valuable than a physical rescue, and that's a spiritual rescue. So if the world puts in that much effort and energy and time and sacrifice and money to rescue people physically, what should we be doing to rescue people spiritually? It's a good challenge, isn't it? I told you sermons aren't all easy to listen to, but the doors are locked. <laughs> There's no escape out of here. You know, sometimes it's easy for us to do the opposite. You know, the shepherd, he didn't wait for the lost sheep to come back. It's out there lost. He said, come on home, sheep. <laughs> come back. You know, he didn't wait, did he? And I think sometimes we do. I know we do wait. I think churches can be guilty of this. All churches. It's like, you know, the doors are open. <laughs> and we say, come on in. And the sinner out there is saying, I ain't coming. If you want me to come, you better come and find me. You better come and get me because I'm not coming in. The shepherd, he left the 99. And he says, no, I'm going to go and find that one that's out there. So what effort can we put into reaching the lost? Let me, let me give you four suggestions. Number one is, I think, a significant part of our prayers should be for lost people. Is that fair? Yeah. A significant part. We can pray for you know, everything else, but the one thing that is most on the heart of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is lost people. So that should be a big part of our praying, or an important part of our praying. So I have in my phone a daily reminder to pray for particularly my family because there's about 60 or 70 of them that still need salvation. But to pray just generally, and I pray, you know, all the time praying for people to be saved in, a, in services and that kind of thing. So can you add that if it's not on your prayer list on a regular basis? You know, when you join with the heartbeat of God, something's going to happen inside you. And his heart has lost people. So a significant part of our praying should be, should be for the unsaved. Then... A good part of our serving and of the ministries of Church Unlimited should be directed towards people who are lost. I mean, that's the reason for the existence of the church. Kaitaya, Rotorua, Whangarei, I'm sure you're hearing me. The reason we exist as a church is to reach those in our communities who do not yet know Jesus. Our friends, our family, whoever they are, wherever they are, the reason for the existence of the church is the Great Commission is to go into all the world and tell people about Jesus. Let's never lose sight. And as a result of that, there will be transformation take place in the community. We save them, we disciple them, then we ask them to shine as lights wherever God has placed them. But we do have to get them saved first. So a good part of our activities and really of every department of the church, really there should be the, the finding lost people element strongly in there. <laughs> 
Otherwise, it becomes a bless me club. <laughs> God bless me. God heal me. God answer my prayers. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't leave out the heart for reaching those who don't yet know Jesus. The third thing we can do in terms of effort and let's do our best to share Christ with those we come in contact with. Those that God brings across our path. You know, this is a new era of evangelism. But I think equally with that is it's a new era of boldness. Because evangelism, we all want to do it. We just need the courage. We need the boldness. Ask God for the boldness. I believe he's going to give us boldness to share Christ in a more effective way than we have in the past. I've, I've quoted, given you this quote a few times, but... The last time you grew was when you got out of your comfort zone. And probably in reaching lost people, there's probably nowhere is that more true. Let's ask God to help us get out of our comfort zone. Are you with me, church, on this? Are you okay up there, Whangarei? Rotorua? Kaitai? Let's get out of our comfort zone. It, is, it, is, it will stretch us. It will stretch our muscles. But it will be worth it. The results will be fantastic, I believe. The fourth thing we can do is we can give generously to reaching lost people. Giving generously to mission, and that's what this form is all about. If you want to grab a hold of it and look at it, maybe even fill it in as I keep talking. You know, Church Unlimited has a massive call to help reach lost people in New Zealand and nations. And, you know, your giving goes to a vast range of ministries all across our campuses. So wherever you give, it's going to be used in reaching lost people. You know, it's going to go towards community outreaches across our nation. It'll go towards a food basket and feeding the poor, towards missionaries, street ministries, the church's education commission. It'll go towards, you know, youth ministry in schools, starting new campuses. It'll go towards Tuvalu, Radio Rima, Shine, goes to all these, it's, it, the range is just enormous. It goes towards um, uh, New Zealand and Beyond Conference, which this year the loss was $60,000, probably a bit more than that. The final figures come out. It goes towards that. It goes towards Pakistan and beyond, United Kingdom and beyond. Running with fire, go to Children's Bible Crusades, Romania, Cambodia, leadership seminars. The list goes on and on and on. This, we have a massive outreach heart here at Church Unlimited. And this faith promise is what contribution you would like to give towards any of those aspects of ministry that you and I are involved in here at Church Unlimited. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. This is one of the best loved and most enjoyed and most claimed verses in the entire Bible because it promises that God will meet every need we have according to his riches and glory. But we have to ask a very important question, and that is, is that promise, my God shall supply all your needs, given to every believer and every church? The answer is found in verse 15. As you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you, you only. Paul was the missionary in those days. Then he says to the Macedonian church, my God shall supply all your needs. See, only one church had every need met by God, and that was the one that gave to mission. 
And, uh, and if, if we want that verse 15 to be true for us, friends, we need to be like the Macedonian church who gave to reaching a lost world for Jesus Christ. When you give to the heart of God, when you give to the mission of God, God is going to give back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You're investing in that which is the passionate heart of God. And I would unashamedly say to anyone across our campuses, probably the greatest investment you can ever make of your finances is to give to the cause of world mission. It's to give to the cause of finding lost people. It's why Jesus came. It's why the Father, the heart of the Father, it's the passion of the Holy Spirit. When you join with them in their mission, you've got to be sure they were going to take care of you and you will be blessed beyond your dreams. In the 17th century, preacher August Franke, I don't know if that's how you say it, he founded an orphanage. At the time, he desperately needed funds. He was out of money and a widow comes knocking on his door, asking for a ducat or a gold coin. Because of his own need, he said, look, I'm sorry, I can't help you. She begins to cry at the doorstep. So he says, give me a moment. He goes away, he prays. He feels God said to give to her and trust him to meet his own needs. So he gave her the gold coin. Two days later, he receives a letter of thanks from the widow, and she had asked the Lord to shower the orphanage with some gifts. The same day, Frank A. received 12 ducats or 12 gold coins from a wealthy lady. He received two more from Sweden. Then soon as informed, the orphanage would receive 500 gold pieces from a wealthy estate. Frank A. wept in gratitude. He gave one gold coin and he received back 516 gold coins. That's a good investment. Philippians 4.17 says, Not that I seek the gift, God doesn't need your money. I don't need your money. Seriously. Makes no difference to me. Paul says it. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. The fruit that abounds to your account. You see, what you give is recorded in heaven. It's deposited, if you like, in the bank of heaven. And you have eternal rewards that are yours forever and ever and ever and ever. I cannot think of a greater cause or a better investment than giving to mission, reaching lost people, loving people as well. I mean, our mission is not just reaching the lost, that's at the heart of it, but it's also looking after the poor and the needy and reaching young people. All that, it's, you know, the range is, is broad and wide. I think the rewards will blow your mind. Not one of us is going to get to heaven. I'll give you a promise right now. You ready for a promise? I've said this before. Not one of us is going to get to heaven and think, oh, Gosh, I wish I hadn't given all that money to church and mission and the kingdom of God. Should have held on to it. Not one person is going to say that. But many of us, maybe myself included, a lot of us are going to say, my God, if only I'd given so much more, my rewards would be astronomically greater. You will never, ever regret giving to the advance of the kingdom of God. Thank you for that overwhelming cheer and response. <laughs> you know, in the United States, 40% never give any money to the church. It's Christians. Hello. Sit there every Sunday. <laughs> never give anything. 40%. And 60% never give anything to mission. That's the United States. I'm sure we're different in New Zealand. I hope. I pray. Peter 
the painter Stenberg chose Pepita to be a model. In the studio, she saw a painting of the crucifixion on which Stenberg had been working, and she asked, who is this? The Christ, Stenberg just said very carelessly. Stenberg explained the facts of Christ's death, and later she said to Stenberg, you must love him very much, sir, when he has done all that for you. Do you not? Her words pierced his heart. Stenberg was saved. The painting became known as Behold the Man and was hung in the gallery in Dusseldorf. Years later, a young nobleman stood in front of the picture. He read and reread the words at the foot of the frame. All this I did for you. Now what will you do for me? The words arrested and challenged him. He threw his life, his fortune, his fame at the feet of Jesus. He was Count Zinzendorf, the father of Moravian missions, which impacted the history of Christianity. Sent out more missionaries at that time than all the Protestant missions combined. That moment with God changed his life forever. It's my prayer that each and every one of us will have a moment with God if not today, very soon. I had my first moment with God 30-odd years ago when God apprehended my heart. With the cause of making Christ known across the globe. That fire lit in my heart 30 plus years ago has never dimmed, it's never waned and is stronger today than it's ever been before. I pray that you will have a moment with God that will touch your heart forever because then Mission giving is not an obligation, it's not a duty, it's a joy, and it's a privilege. Jesus pointed out that the one thing that matters most to God is lost people. They matter so much to God that even when one lost person is found, all heaven rejoices and throws a party. Lost people matter so much to God. We need compassion. We need persistence, and we need effort. And with that, we will reach a lost world for our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.